two meetings uh, was led by Commissioner Mayabza. Um, if Deputy Commissioner is in, greeting uh, Commissioner Masuku, the AEC executive, and all the uh, uh, participants, uh, the council uh, representing Department of Home Affairs, uh, Advocate Pierre. We want to greet you and welcome you to this uh, uh, meeting. We also want to extend a word of condolences. As you know, yes, last night, a mayor of uh, a municipality in Limpopo was gunned uh, down. Uh, Mayor Maluleke, we extend condolences to the family and uh, we hope that the child will uh, recover. The committee has now interacted with the issues as uh, a list was presented in our last committee meeting. And we think that uh, we had resolved on all and appreciated capturing of the deliberations of the committee. The understanding is that most of the issues, almost all the issues the committee has dealt with. However, the issues that were referred in particular, the Schedule 1A, that the, AS, the IEC was requested or is requested to come back or committed to come back and brief the, the committee. It will appear that after the deliberation of all the stakeholders, the IEC, state law advisor, um, and the DHA, we may not adopt today the, the A-list. Uh, they may have to go back and rework the, or add or finalize the A-list so that we adopt all the issues that today might have find expression in our deliberations. We are fully aware that, and I think caution is important that it may not be appreciated that new issues uh, or as we present to the meeting, we bring different issues at the same at the same points because we could have exhausted some of the issues and clarity was sought on some of the issues that uh, we may need to resolve on. And I'm raising this both to the portfolio committee members and the stakeholders. Will not take long uh, in terms of the issues that uh, we requested the team to present, but we'll appreciate that it may be specific on the key issues that the committee had requested for legal uh, advice. And we're at the stage that we deal with at most the technical issues that has bearing in terms of implementing um, at the level of the of the IEC. I will invite uh, Mr. Matonsi to give us apologies, um, and then we'll check with the IEC department and the state law advisor if there are any apologies and the legal service. Mr. Matonsi? Yes, Chairperson. Um, I don't have an apology from members 
And then uh, I only have got an apology for, for Minister of Home Affairs. Chairperson, uh, if I could go through the the agenda, because uh, I did we did revise it uh, and it was not circulated. If you allow me to do that, Chair. Let's deal with number two, so that okay. I don't think, uh, so that we exhaust it, and then we'll deal with the items three and four. Um, I'm going to also experience challenge of network. I will at some point switch off my ground my video. Uh, just my apology then. Can I check with the state law advisor if there's an apology? Good morning, Chairperson. Um, from the Office of the State Law Advisor, unfortunately, Ms. Williams is not with us this morning, but we do have our Deputy Chief State Law Advisor, um, Ms. Aisha Johar, who is present this morning, together with myself, uh, Ms. Sarah Governor. Okay, noted uh, the apologies of Ms. Williams and welcome, uh, Deputy Chief State Law Advisor. Can we check with the Parliamentary Legal Service? Good morning, Chair. Um, no apologies from our side. Thank you. Thank you. Can I check with the uh, Commissioner, uh, Deputy Commissioner, if you are in, if you are not? Commissioner Mieta. Uh, good, good morning, Chairperson. Uh, good morning, Honourable Members, uh, colleagues, friends, and everyone on the platform. Um, we, we do have uh, an apology from uh, the Vice Chairperson. Uh, she may join us uh, for momentarily. Um, she she is not um, uh, she's tied with 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 a matter that she needs to attend to. But the team is here. Um, the the CEO and his team and I and Commissioner Masuku. Um, uh, we hope uh, we will be sufficient to fill the you know the issues that are are going to be raised. Thank you, Chair. Thank you, thank you, Commissioner Mirza, Deputy Minister. I know that uh, the minister sent an apology. Um, the DG is also on the two meetings. If I can check the DG. Okay. Um, um, Mr. Malekate, if you can run the introduction. Okay, let me say Department of Home Affairs, who is in the meeting. Um, I, yes. Um, uh, good morning, Chair. We are in the meeting. I am with uh, Advocate uh, Michelle Debeer. Um And uh, uh, Chair, the DG has indicated that he's got a meeting with the, with the uh, National Treasury, but he indicated that he will join uh, the meeting. I'm not too sure if he's also in the meeting, Chair. Thank you. Okay, we've we've noted all the apologies uh, uh, which were rendered. Uh, thanks uh, very much. Uh, I will hand over. I'll invite Mr. Matunzi to raise the point he wanted to raise. Okay, okay, Chairperson. I, I wanted to indicate that no, based on the meeting that we had yesterday, uh, as the as stakeholders uh, on the briefings that we got yesterday, we. I have revised the, the agenda. If you look at three, then there's 3.1 here. There's 3.1 here. That will be the state law advisor, you know, briefing us on the 
playlist, especially on the agreement, on the on the decision that were taken on the meeting of July 19. Then from there, although I've separated it, it will be uh, the IEC uh, to brief us on the draft schedule 1A on multiple region that they have sent already. It was uh, sent to members. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And then uh, the, the next one, it, they were going to work on the one on the other option of the one region. Uh, that one we don't have. I'm not sure if they've completed it because the meeting was at two o'clock yesterday. Then from there, we're going to have the DHA, they've got the legal opinion from their senior counsel on the, on the bill there. I think they are raising two issues there. Then from there, we can have discussion and comments. And yeah, yeah, that's all, Chairperson. Okay, you you are searching for. Sorry, chair. You, you were. Um, uh, what what is the point of you raising this matter now? No, no, I, I'm I'm raising it because the the agenda that was sent is different from this one, so that no, it is all the stakeholders they are aware. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. I thought, okay. No, no. I I think it's fine. It's not a. Uh, um, uh, I'm sure that you have changed items unless uh, they will want to to raise issues uh, uh, on the agenda. But I'll allow them to raise them when we invite them to the meeting. Uh, but as it stands, this is the agenda which uh, um, this meeting had to work on. Uh, it may be some of the issues that may arise as we as we proceed. They will uh, uh, comment or clarify when. They're invited. Let me invite, go to 3.1, um, invite state law advisors. Thank you. Morning, once again, Chair. Um, Chair, with your permission, may, be, may I be allowed to switch the camera off for purposes of um, it not interfering with connection? Yeah, I think we've already granted that uh, so that at least we... If there's a connection program, problem, problem, we, we can thank ground our, our... Thank you. Can proceed. Thank you, Chair. Good morning once again to the Chairperson and Honourable Members of the Committee, as well as all other stakeholders and colleagues present on the platform this morning. Chair, thank you for allowing me to present the A-list to the Committee as it stands today, bearing in mind that all further decisions of the Committee will be added to the list as the deliberation process unfolds. I will now take the committee through the A-list. Thank you, Eddie. On page two, with regard to clause one, which provides for the definitions, point one, on page two in line nine to omit political, point two, on page two in line 18 to omit political. On page three of the A-list towards the bottom of the page, In relation to clause four, which inserts part 3A into the Electoral Act, point one on page three in line 43 to omit and qualifications. On page four of the A-list, point four on the page, on page four in line 22 to omit political. Chairperson and honorable members, we have been liaising with the department and 
Um, as recently as yesterday, the department has confirmed that it does not have any proposals for amendments um, which it wishes to bring at this stage. So that is the A-list as it stands. Thank you, Chair. Thank you very much, uh, Mr. Matonzi. The, can you bring in the back the agenda? Yes, thank you very much. Uh, we're going now to 3.2, Commissioner Miebza. Thank you, Chairperson. Um, we, we essentially have, have two issues um, uh, to traverse. One is the um, Schedule 1 capital A uh, that we indicated to the committee we will work on. Uh, we have done so. Um, we will present that um, this morning to yourselves. Uh, it has been circulated. And then we will deal with um, residual issues or what we call residual issues. Having considered Schedule 1, um, uh, 1 capital A, and some of the issues that have been agreed by, by the committee uh, thus far, or settled by the committee, we, we will point out what are the you know, procedural matters that are connected to those decisions. Um, I, I, I want to pause there for a minute so that we do not waste time. Um, I'd invite the CEO um, uh, to, um, uh, to deal with this matters or any of his team members that he will delegate. Thank you, Chairperson. Thank you, uh, Commissioner Mirja. Thank you very much. Mr. Mamawood. Yes, uh, thanks, Chairperson, and greetings to members of the committee um, and everybody else uh, line. Um, we will uh, deal with the two issues, um, one after the other. Uh, firstly, the, um, the amend amendments to Schedule 1A, and, and then proceed to uh, to residual issues. And Maseko um, Shuburi will take us through both um, items with your, with your permission, Chairperson. Thank you. Thank you, uh, Mr. Mamabudo. Yes, we can flag the presentation. <clears throat> Mr. Shibori. Good morning, uh, good morning Chair, Honorable Members, uh, members of the Commission. Uh, Mr. Machonsi, could you please uh, fly the presentation or grant me sharing rights? I have granted you sharing rights already. Thank you. Uh, thank you, thank you, Chair. Uh, we present draft Schedule 1A, which is essentially concerned with the rules of counting votes to determine the outcome of an election. And secondly, it is concerned with how those votes are translated uh, into results for an election and how representat uh, representatives are assigned seats in legislative bodies. The premise of the Schedule 1A, Chair, 
is the Commission's understanding of agreements and or emerging consensus uh, in, the, in the committee. We upfront wish to reiterate the obvious, and that is the Commission is not making policy choices, nor is it preferring uh, or, or nor is it making any uh, preferences on options. What it is concerned with is to optimize the decisions that have been made by the committee and the policy decisions that are contained in the draft bill. There are a number of issues, about six or seven, which I will go in turn with. On the current page, uh, item one, we here we confirm that the seats in the legislature in the National Assembly are 400, and the split is 200 and 200 in terms of the bill. The 200, the first 200 is for compensatory seats that are reserved for pure PR election by political parties, and the other 200 seats are allocated and split along uh, among regions uh, for regional representatives to the National Assembly. The second issue that we deal with, Chair, is in uh, item three. Here we give effect to the departure to the practice, and I'll explain that in, in a few seconds. Hitherto, the Schedule A provided that a party could exercise an election to either submit a national and regional list or only a regional list. The bill changes that and it makes it peremptory for a party to submit both a regional list or regional lists for regions that it intends to contest as well as a national as a national list. So we've given effect to, to what is contained in the bill in item three. Towards the bottom of page on item four, we deal here with candidates. And as alluded to by Mr. Matonzi, our understanding was that there was consensus uh, that candidates may be nominated to contest more than one region. Why? Because we understood the national the election of the National Assembly uh, to be a countrywide election. In, in other words, the country is a constituency. So it would be very difficult to justify why you limit a candidate to a region when they are contesting a seat in the National Assembly. From our meeting yesterday, it occurs now that there are diverging views and this may not necessarily be uh, the decision of the commission, uh, of the committee. And if the committee determines that candidates are restricted to contest only a region uh, in which uh, they, are, they, are, they are registered, we will have to make the adjustments to Schedule 1A. Perhaps it will be appropriate at this moment to, 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 to make a distinction between regional to national elections and provincial legislature elections. Provincial legislature elections, it is quite okay to insist that only persons who are registered in the province contest those elections because the province is a constituency. Whereas 
the opposite is not so. For regional to national elections, the election is still for representation in the National Assembly, and thus the entire country is a constituency, and a candidate may, must be able to contest multiple regions uh, to get a seat at the National at the National Assembly. The next page uh, gives effect to the decision of the committee to adopt a single round of allocation. You'll recall that the bill in its original iteration uh, provided for three rounds of seat allocation. The committee has decided to, uh, to adopt a single round. We have given effect to this. We are also giving effect to the decision of the committee to adopt the group method to derive the quota and also using the highest surplus of votes to allocate seats that remain unallocated in, in the first round. The next important thing is item E. Here we make it clear that an independent candidate who wins more than one seat in a region or more than one seat across regions forfeits all other seats. They can only be elected to a single seat in which they received the highest uh, number number of votes. On the next page, we deal with a compensatory seat, which are the first 200 seats reserved for contest by political parties. Here, what we just need to indicate is that we have effected the decision of the committee to use the group method to derive the quota and to provide for a combination of awarding seats using first the highest surplus up until the fifth round of allocation. And beyond the fifth round of allocation, we no longer use the highest surplus, but we use the average number of votes uh, received by that party. The import of that is that beyond the fifth round, parties that have not received a seat will no longer be uh, able to, uh, uh, to, to receive seats using the highest surplus. The allocation changes and it adopts a different allocation method, which is parties that have already received seats by a highest proportion of votes. On page, uh, on the next page, uh, item seven deals with insufficient party list and independent candidates. So this deals with instances of forfeiture of seats. We have already said that an independent who receives more than one vote, more than one seat, forfeits uh, the other seat in the same region or other seats in other region. Similarly, and this is important for political parties, a party that submits a list with fewer names than the seats that they win, there is no opportunity to cure that defect. The party loses uh, uh, those seats that uh, do not have names attached to them and a forfeiture real recalculation is done to determine a new quota. We move now, Chair, to item 2025. Here we make it clear that we are introducing a third ballot. Hitherto, National Assembly elections have always been contested on two ballots. Uh, one ballot for the national to national and a second ballot 
for the uh, for, for for a provincial legislature. We're introducing the third ballot. The first ballot, the first ballot will be for the contest of the 200 seats purely on the PR system contested by parties. The second ballot will be for the regional seats of the National Assembly in on which independent candidates' names will appear in the region or regions in which they wish to contest. And the third ballot is the ballot for the contest of each of the provincial legislatures where the names of independent candidates will also uh, will also appear. The last input that we're making, Chair, relates to amendments to item 34. Here we are giving effect to the decision of the committee that seats that are left vacant by independent candidates should be filled in the same way that a vacancy that arises on a party list may be filled. We are proposing here that we uh, do a recalculation of the quota and based on the next available candidate who meets the quota, whether they represent a party or whether they are an independent, that seat gets allocated uh, to that to that uh, uh, qualifying qualifying uh, candidate. Uh, that concludes uh, the input uh, by the commission chair on the on the on the uh, schedule one a. The big decision that faces the committee is whether candidates are locked into a single region or whether candidates may uh, contest in multiple regions. And as I said, this draft is premised on candidates being able to contest on multiple on multiple regions. We await instruction from the committee and will give effect to that. Thank you, Chair. Thank you very much, uh, Mr. Shiburi, for the presentation. We'll now invite uh, the DHA. Hi, good morning, Chair and Honourable Members. Um, I should have said this earlier, but Mr. Badlander does uh, give his apologies for not being able to attend. Um, Mr. Badlander Sr. is being awarded an honorary doctorate today by UCT, and he's attending that this morning. Um, Stephen Badlander is. Um, so there really are just two issues that that we dealt with. Um, at, one at the request of the Portfolio Committee, and the other one is a matter that we thought it's important just to raise. Um, so, so the one that was the request of the Portfolio Committee uh, was this question of whether independent candidates should only be entitled to contest one region or if they should be entitled to contest multiple regions. Um, I don't intend going through the memorandum in any detail, but our conclusion is that both options would be constitutionally permissible. The as we understand the New Nation Movement judgment, the Constitution provides a right to adult citizens to contest elections of the National Assembly um, and provincial legislatures. And even if an independent candidate has to pick a region or a constituency to contest, that right's being given effect to. So in our in our in our view, the a single, a single region requirement wouldn't even violate the right. Um, if we're wrong on that, then we think that it would be a justifiable violation of the right. 
because there may be good policy choices for saying an independent candidate can only contest one region. And for example, the two that we thought of are one, if an independent candidate contests all nine regions, that might create confusion. Um, and it might also draw out the finalization of the election. And two, um, let's say Mitchell de Beer contests five regions and he wins enough votes in all five regions for a seat in each region. And he then takes the seat in the Western Cape region. That will mean that the votes in all other five regions would be wasted for, for Mr. De Beer. Um, and that might be another region, reason why, a policy reason why the parliament and the committee might consider constraining independent candidates to contest a single region. Um, at the same time, it's equally constitutionally permissible to, to allow them to contest multiple regions. And our view is that it is a policy choice that needs to be made by Parliament. So that's the first issue. The second issue, um, I can find the page number if you give me a second of the memo. Um, that's page number five of the memo. Um, it's just the question of the signature requirement for independent candidates. Now, we repeat our view that having a, uh, not, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't put it as, as a hurdle, but having an eligibility requirement of having to show or demonstrate that an independent candidate is, um, has sufficient support before they are, can be nominated to contest an election is a good thing. Um, if an independent candidate can only find five people to nominate him or her for contesting an election, they're definitely unlikely to be able to win a seat, to get enough votes for the seat. Um, the bill is currently phrased, vests the discretion of determining that signature requirement with the commission. And the reasons we've given for that is, is simply that the commission's a nonpartisan independent chapter nine institution. Um, so it can take into account various factors in determining what an appropriate signature requirement is. And also the commission will be able to learn through experience, um, you know, as, as elections are contested and the commission is running elections, what an appropriate uh, signature requirement will be. That said, the, commission, the committee, as I understand, has adopted a different approach and the approach is to specify a formula in the act itself for determining the signature requirement. And the formula will be, the formula will go like this, a percentage of the past quota for a seat in that region um, will be used as the signature requirement. Uh, and again, we, 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 in principle, we think that that's constitutionally permissible as well. Um, a strong argument for that is that it's set in the legislation and it's certain, and there won't be um, chopping and changing if it is vested in the commission. Might be an argument in favor of it. Um, what our concern is, though, Mr. Badlinder and my concern, is that 50% might be too much. And the reason why we say it is because just looking at the last national elections, um, of course, this is countrywide. Uh, but the quota for a seat was 40,000 votes. And if we were to apply that, you, the independent candidate would have to 
um, obtain 20,000 signatures um, to be nominated to contest the election. And we think that that might be too high. Um, there's, of course, a line that has to be drawn about how many signatures are required. And um, on one side of the line, it's going to be a permissible requirement. And on the other side, it's going to impede the ability to contest an election as an independent candidate. Um, I, I mean, I, uh, Mr. Bell and I debated it. We can't tell you precisely where the line is. It's one of those matters that you know it when you see it. Um, but it seems to us that 50% is too high, um, especially considering an independent candidate may only be able to obtain signatures in a short period of time. So our suggestion is that if the approach were to be adopted, something in the region of 20%, a maximum of 20% of the previous quota would probably be found to be constitutional. And um, I, I know that the committee has discussed this and, and various matters, but we, we thought it was important just to raise the question of the constitutionality of the 50% um, for your consideration before the bill moves forward into parliament. Uh, that's the end of my presentation. Thank you. Thank you very much, uh, um, Advocate P.S. IEC had indicated that there are residual issues. Uh, I may have not captured if Mr. Shiburu has dealt with the uh, with them in the report or it composite the entire uh, 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 presentation. If I get Mr. Shibur's understanding that the residual issues were captured in the uh, in the in the in the report, I am um, following up on the line of uh, Commissioner Moyabza and. Uh, Mr. Namawu, before I invite members. Uh, the, the residual issues have not been presented. Um, if, you, if, you, if you prefer that we do uh, the residual issues now, uh, we are quite happy to do so. Perhaps you, you, you may assist. Um, I don't want to put IC in the corner. Uh, the thinking was that the members deliberate and you you present the residual issues. Uh, I just want to get that proper so that I, I formulate a proper process. Yeah, I I would have thought, Chair, from from where I sit with your with your indulgence, I would have thought that perhaps if there are issues uh, in Schedule One, Capital A, that members want to deliberate and that we settle. Um, which may also impact on the residual issues. We, we will we will have dealt with them compositely. Okay, so you're suggesting that you must present the residual issues now before members. No, I'm 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 proposing that if members want to deliberate uh, and raise issues in terms of Schedule One Capital A, perhaps we should do so first, and then we'll deal with the residual issues. To the extent that there may be issues that may impact on the residual issues, we would have dealt with them, and so we wouldn't need to raise them anymore. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. <clears throat> Thank you very much uh, uh, for the presentation on few issues that uh, were required uh, the the members to 
resolve on or pay attention to that. Um, and I think IC raised particular issues, um, Schedule 1A, Capital A. And the, in the main, the uh, multiple uh, participation um, and I, the issue of the signature is coming back again. Um, requirements. Um, members, these are the issues which are for our attention. I'll invite the uh, Honorable Pillay, Honorable Izel, Honorable Molekwa and Moros, Honorable Tito, Honorable Kanyele, uh, and Honorable Motise. I'm fully aware that the network problems, uh, members um, and Honorable Hwase, I can't, I'm unable to, Mr. Matonsi, to uh, identify members who are here. If they're not here, we'll, we'll just uh, proceed. Let me start with Honorable uh, Pile. Let's deal with the three presentations. Um, and uh, we would then have a decision proposal on how we must finalize them. Thank you. On our play. Uh, thank you very much, uh, Chairperson. Chair, I think um, first I want to, in, in respect of the A-list um, that was presented first, um, for me, no challenges. Everything that's there is correctly captured. Um, and I want to endorse all of those um, changes. Um, what I want to dwell on, Chair, is the uh, two presentations that we received after that. Now, the first one in terms of what the state law advisor is saying, that both options are constitutionally um, admissible and may be accepted. Um, and in view of that, I can't see us really having much of a challenge or debate on it. If it's both admissible, then you know, we must be able to then proceed uh, as a committee in our decision that, that was made. But I just want to, to <clears throat> simplify this process of multiple and single regions. Um, and I think the best way to understand it will be if I had to uh, refer to the ballots and the current um, form of how um, members are elected to a particular legislature. Now, you have what is called the national to national. You have what is called the province to national. And you have what is called province to province. Now, in the province to province, that would be elected for a provincial legislature. And I think that it has to be that you have to be a resident of that particular province to be able to contest in that legislature and then to be able to acquire a seat in that. And that would be um, ballot three. In respect of the province to national, and this would be ballot two, our view is that you should be only contesting in a particular region that you're in to be able to, to, to then acquire a seat at the National Assembly. Now, Chair, bearing in mind that this is admissible, I see no harm in us continuing with this, with this position. But if for some reason or the other we had to um, uh, have a divergence of views and, and want to accept a, a multiple region on that basis only, it's a little bit difficult for me 
to to be able to accept that uh, while you may be allowed to contest many regions, imagine if an independent candidate who lives in KZN does not get enough uh, quota to to claim a seat in in KZN, but gets enough in Kauteng and then gets to the National Assembly from KZN, but on a counting list. I mean, I'm just trying to understand the logic of that um, and whether that is just really disadvantaging other provinces. Uh, but I want to fully support uh, the view that we've had from the beginning that in terms of national to national compensatory seats, that, that that part is only for political parties. And there, there's not going to be... Um, uh, any divergence of views because that's agreed across from the beginning that that would be uh, one. But I'm still saying that, uh, and I'm interested to hear what are the views um, of other members and perhaps even stakeholders coming back, that really it boils down to one argument and that is occupying one seat. And I'm saying this, Chair, because just the other day I was on a, um, a debate um, with one of the leaders of the independence um, and again, you can only occupy one seat. So whether it's multiple regions, whether it's one region, it's going to be only one seat that an independent can claim and one seat that they can occupy. So for me, I'm saying it really is not going to make any logical sense. But on the other hand, it's still not going to give you more than one seat. And then the last one is the, the filling of vacancies uh, which I think we've already agreed on, that it, it should be allocated to the next party or independent uh, in terms of uh, those who had the, the highest in terms of uh, surplus votes. Thank you. Thank you very much. Honorable um, Honorable Zen. Thank you very much, Chairperson, and good morning to yourself, uh, our colleagues, and to um, everyone on the platform, all the legal advisors and the IEC. Thank you very much uh, for the opportunity, Chairperson. I would like to start with the issues of the signatures. I have, in the previous meeting and the meeting before that, expressed the view that, of course, while we are in full support, that independent candidates must show a level of support that they are receiving from the electorate to stand in the elections, that 50% of the quota of the number of seats in the previous election or the, the quota needed to obtain a seat. So, you know, either 20,000 signatures or 22,000 signatures is, is just not justifiable, Chairperson. And I think really, you know, that type of quota to, to impose that on an independent candidate is not fair. And I think it will impede um, their participation in, in the elections. And we've often said on numerous occasions, Chairperson, that this process before us is one to create an enabling environment for independent candidates to contest fairly uh, in these elections. So I would like to once again appeal to the committee that we do look at whether this quota will be fair um, I think I previously proposed that we looked at, at 10 to 15 percent of the uh, of the uh, quota, but I heard now 20 percent might be uh, a more reasonable uh, amount of, of signatures to to obtain. And really, I think it's something we need to look at very seriously, Chairperson, because at the end of the day, with the requirement as well of of having to get these signatures 
electronically. Um, I, I really do worry about how possible it will be for people, for example, in, in areas that do not have access to, to internet or Wi-Fi readily. So really, we need to take that into consideration. Again, I want to raise again, uh, which has not been mentioned today, the issue of the cooling off period, which I also thought um, in the previous meeting, I did mention that it's not something that we can really monitor um, at all times as political parties, nor the IEC. And the issue of constitutionality was raised as well around this issue. Um, but finally, Chairperson, I think I'm, I'm convinced by the argument the IEC has made um, around the issue of multiple regions versus um, contesting in one region. And as much as I hear the argument of the Honourable Pillay, I think the, the core, the, cru the, the crux of this, this issue is whether we are being fair or not. And as the IEC said, that this is a national election, you are contesting a seat for the National Assembly, and therefore it would not be fair then to, to, to restrict an independent candidate to only contest for that seat in one region. And therefore I would think the proposal that suggests that independent candidates should be able to contest multiple regions is a fair proposal. Um, and, and, and so really I would hope that we could reach consensus on that chairperson and that we would look um, again at the issue of, of signatures and whether the 50% is really a fair formula or not. And I really do hold the view that it's not a fair formula. Thank you, Chair. Thank you very much, uh, Honorable uh, Lizen. Honorable Molekwa. Thank you very much, Chairperson. Uh, I think uh, Honorable Pillay and Honorable Lizel uh, has covered me, but I just want to understand on the issue of the signatures. I didn't hear well the, on the issue of the signatures when it was presented because. I heard that uh, the proposal from the popular committee on the 50% of requirement on the signatures uh, is unconstitutional. So I just want to check with the legal counsel on what will be the proposal from their side. Because I think if it's not going to be contained, it will create more challenges, especially on the IEC side. Uh, and it will also work, create a, a lot of work on the printing of ballot papers. So I think the issue of the signatures should also be contained so that we minimize the work of the ballot papers to be printed. So I just want to uh, the advice or the proposal from the legal council on what needs to be done on the issue of signatures because everybody will want to stand as independent and we can have more than 100 pages of ballot papers to be printed. Thank you, Chairperson. Thank you very much, Honorable Lekwa. Honorable Rose. Yeah, thank you, Chairperson. And uh, thank you once again to all the presenters. Um, Chairperson, I think you know, we received these uh, documents very late last night, and we, we clearly need an opportunity to go and consult um, with our parties on, on the implications of, of some of the, uh, 
the changes. So for example, the Schedule 1A, I think we'd agreed that we keep the existing um, seat allocation system and that we have one round. And, and now again, we seem to have this thing of two rounds and two different quotas where we discard votes. Um, the chairperson, I think, you know, we already agreed in the last um, session about the um, contesting multiple regions. And we, we did debate it and we, we put forward all the different considerations. And we, as a committee, we came to the agreement that independence would stand for a region, um, provided that it was constitutionally sound and, and correct. And I think we've been given that assurance, Chair. So I don't know if we really need to debate that again and present the arguments again. Uh, we, we did really agree it as a committee, and I think it's been confirmed now that it's, that it's absolutely fine from a constitutional point of view. Um, Chairperson, the signature requirement. Um, I think the, the challenge we have, and I've said it before, is that, you know, if we talk about 50%, if we talk about 20% or 25, um, you know, we've had one argument so far, really, with regards to the numbers, and that's from Honorable Pillay, who used the example of the ward and you needing 50, um, you, you know, 50 signatures for a ward and extrapolating that to a province was going to be a much higher number than, than the 50%. Uh, but we also hear the arguments about saying, you know, maybe 50% is, is really um, too high and it's, it's counterproductive. Um, the chairperson, you know, I think that they are certainly willing to, to relook at that. Um, but I think what would also be helpful, chairperson, is if we, if, if we limited this requirement to, to non-represented um, candidates, um, you know, looking towards the future and saying, well, if an independent is going to stand and have to get these signatures, once they've been elected, they've shown that, they're, that they are a, a serious candidate, then they, they shouldn't really have to, in the next election, go and get these votes again. I think that will also be helpful for the, the IEC just to reduce the load of uh, processing and verifying um, all of these uh, signatures. Chairperson, then in terms of the, the cooling off period, um, I think certainly... Uh, there are a lot of challenges in terms of how you monitor this. Um, our understanding was this was to, to prevent a, uh, a party candidate who then didn't make it on their list uh, from then going and, and standing as an independent. Um, but what you find right now is that, uh, you know, if you made that decision, you would have to go off and get um, quite a few signatures to, to really make that happen. And so you, you almost might have a situation where you have a natural cooling off period because, you know, the party lists have to be in at a certain time. I mean, that includes independent candidates uh, as well. And so um, anybody that, you know, you know, if you look at the three-month period, anybody that's really making that decision would make it after the lists are, are in or, or finalized. Um, and then you might find that it's it's sort of a, a provision that doesn't really um, serve its purpose. Uh, I did have a question on the, um, yes, I think it's in the section 1A where we talk about in section four. Um, I'm just going to go to that in terms of regional seats. Uh, so the, the statement says that the commission must determine a fixed number of seats reserved for each region or for every um, election in the National Assembly. 
taking into account available scientifically-based data in respect of voters and representations by interested parties. So, Chairperson, I'd just like clarity on what, what does this mean? Um, because, you know, I think to be, it, it seems a bit vague. Uh, you would surely look at the, uh, the number of registered voters, for example, as something that is clear uh, in terms of looking at uh, the proportionality of seats across these different regions. Because the danger we have here, and we've seen it with the, the, the stats SA, the recent uh, census, is that uh, you know, if you have an unfortunate situation where you are undercounting in certain areas and overcounting in certain areas, um, you could claim that that's scientifically uh, based. Um, but somebody else would argue, well, it's not scientifically based because the, the process was flawed. And then you get into a situation where you're arguing about what is scientifically based and what should this, um, this quota be. And so I'd just like a clarification. What does this mean? Um, you know, because to our understanding, this should be a lot clearer. It should be the number of registered voters or the population or, or whatever it might be, so that this is not then, doesn't have a wide scope for, for interpretation. Chairperson, um, and then I think, you know, there's, uh, there's this, in this discussion of constitutionality, et cetera, and we've, we've really discussed it as a committee before, uh, there is a call for electoral reform. And I think we've discussed it many times in the committee that, um, you know, we need to, um, in this bill, we need to um, satisfy the constitutional court judgment and the requirements to allow independent candidates to participate in the elections. And we need to do that urgently before the next uh, national election. But there is clearly a, a need and a call, and there's been a call for many years um, for electoral reform. And so, Chairperson, I think, you know, one possibility of how we can cover ourselves from the risk that we face litigation and that this seriously um, puts a spanner in this works is to, um, is to potentially propose that this bill or this, this system as it is be an interim system that will then be revised um, after the election um, in a process of electoral reform, where we once again take into account uh, public participation, but again, based on the on the basis that we are now reforming the electoral system, as has been proposed uh, for many years now. I think it was uh, the McClante report uh, uh, suggested electoral reform. The Mosineki, uh, not, not the Mosineki, um, the Zondo Commission report has also proposed this, and so I think it's something that is necessary. And perhaps if we, you know, if we are able to add into this bill that this is an interim measure to satisfy the requirements to, to cater for independent candidates um, and that we will do the, the overall reform um, after the election. I think it will go a long way to, to minimizing the risk of getting stuck in, in courts and um, as, as facing a constitutional crisis closer to the election. Person, I let's see if I have any other notes. Um, Yes, I think that's all, Chairperson. Thank, thank you, Honorable Tito. Honorable Kanyele. Thank you, Chairperson. Greetings to you and greetings to colleagues and everyone present in the meeting. 
Chairperson, um, I have been uh, covered by Honourable Rose. However, there's a few issues that I'd like to reiterate. The issue of um, seat allocation, I believe that we have discussed it. Um, I was under the impression that we exhausted the matter last week when we indicated how the, in the last meeting, how the seat was going to be allocated, that there's only going to be one round in counting using the higher surplus. And secondly, the issue of um, independent candidates submitting signatures, I think we need to find a way of analyzing it today. But one of the reasons we were proposing the figure or the percentage that we proposed previously, it is because we wanted the independent candidates that wanted to participate in the upcoming elections to demonstrate that indeed they have a support um, in order to also protect the IEC as well in terms of printing a very long ballot and only to find that we have maybe independent candidates that don't even have, have support. I think one of the um, reasons we had the signature um, criteria, it was um, because, because of that together with the deposits as previously discussed. And Chaperson, I also would want to support Honourable Draws that uh, we propose that uh, maybe when we finalize this bill, we can indicate that it is definitely an, an interim measure that we are going to, to revise after the, the 2024, 2024 elections. Um, thank, thank you, Chairperson. Thank you, Honorable Lukwase. Honorable Ramalobe. Honorable Mudise. Okay. There's uh, one point which I want members to pack uh, for now. Um, and it's an important matter or national discourse. Um, so that we, we don't uh, defocus on the key subject issues that we need to deal with. We'll deal with that as we were going to close up when we are concluded all the matters uh, that must go into the A list and ultimately the B list. The proposal of uh, the electoral reform post national elections or a recommendation of uh, the commission um, I want members, patient members, because we need to uh, pack that those points so that we deal with them as we are going to conclude when all the issues which are before the committee have been exhausted. And I'm sure members will agree that we 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 may not the committee enter into the the space now when we are to finalize these key issues that at least were at the tail end of finalizing. We'll, we'll deal with this, we'll reflect on these uh, 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 matters as we, it's an important matter that all stakeholders 
in society and the committee then parliament must pay more attention we don't need to suppress it it's a necessary point but i wanted members to pause it on and level um i will invite the 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 understanding seem to affirm this the a list as represent the issues um, that are presented by state law um, advisors um and these other issues which are standing they will find expression once the committee has considered on um the members are raising um affirmation on the decision they've taken in relation to the uh, participation of the in, in particular that there's a, a an expression submitted that there's no uh, it's it, there's no constitutional breakdown or, uh, we we were not working outside the constitution on the decision we've, uh, we've, we've taken. I think the IEC and also the legal team will impress on that. There's a, an, a, a view, a submission that we may need to reconsider the requirements of uh, signatures to demonstrate the participation of independent. And I think in the last meeting, we did uh, endorse the 50% a, a percentage, and that was informed uh, by the presentations presentation, which were presented by the IC, and I think they've given um, uh, various categories in terms of percentage on how the committee may consider, and the committee did consider the fifty percent. But I think there's a, a uh, a, a rethinking around the participation of the of the independent. One of the principles we've maintained in our uh, deliberations was um, a, a, a fairness and a particip- fair participation of uh, uh, all those will be interested to participate in the in the in the in the election and we've exhausted that point but this matter that arises now the rethinking of uh, the uh, the submission of the legal advisors uh, is a matter that the committee may need to deliberate on and i had thought that the committee will impress on the uh, percentages and look on what they are raising the, 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 the legal team so that we have a consensus if we are reconsidering the percentage or not. But I think it will be fair enough that the point was raised by uh, Honorable Wars, uh, 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 and because if we have to have a, a more informed deliberation and guided process, um, there were the other technical issues that will sort um, consultation. And I think I get a sense that um, a, a report was sent uh, late, but that does not mean that the issues were not being deliberating, deliberating on. Uh, and the issues, uh, Honorable Bros uh, has not 
familiarize uh, uh, with, but I think because there are new other issues that are coming in, there's a need for further consultation. And I think it would be fair to look on how we must manage that uh, so that members go back um, in the manner we've requested the stakeholders to go back and consult with their legal team and, and thorough preparation done. So I think we'll, we'll, we'll take that note that there's a need to go back and um, uh, uh, deal with that point. Where the issues that we must resolve on, including the cooling of period, there's a consistent, um, uh, uh, and I'm sure those are some of the residual that have been recurring. And I don't think the IEC may need to labor on, on it because they've, you know, they've commented on, on their position on that. And also the uh, advocate BS in one of the presentations. So those are some of the issues that the committee may need to look at. So we will agree with the one point that there's a need to go back and consult on certain areas, uh, in particular to the issues that we raised. Um, I want members to, uh, uh, okay, I, I want the the legal state law advisor or the league parliament's legal team and the IEC and the DHA to come back on the comments that uh, were raised and we isolate issues that need uh, to for to go back members as you request to go back for consultation and we deal, we resolve on the issues that the committee had resolved on but had thought they need further uh, issues because they relate to technical, technical matters. Can I invite the, um, I don't think state will advise you any other issues. Let me start with the parliamentary legal service. Um, um, no, no, sorry, sorry. Let me start with the IC and the, uh, the DHA and the state law advice and the parliamentary legal service. And we get comments from members on the issues that we need to uh, to deal with and resolve, and what do we go back and uh, uh, and further consultation uh, in the manner that is raised? Members, is that will be sufficient before I invite IEC? Honorable Pile. Thank you. Thank you very much, Chairperson. Chair, I want to um, support Honorable Rose. Um, and I agree that um, there is a need uh, for further consultation, um, particularly because we have received this rather late. And while we've been able to deliberate, I think it's important that um, we are given that opportunity and space to, to consult so that we, we unpack it uh, and then come back uh, in terms of positions um, and a decision. Uh, so the first one is to support that. Uh, Chair, if I had to look at... Um, there are three items. Uh, the one is uh, single or multiple regions. The two is signatures, and the three is cooling off period. And I'm not going to um, I'm not going to venture into any of those discussions, particularly because uh, if committee accepts that we we allow for further consultation, we can then be able to, to deliberate on that and come back firmly uh, on these three three positions. So, chair, I. I want to propose that uh, we do be allowed that space to be able to consult and come back uh, on these three three issues. Um, 
But I agree that uh, we may and we are going to be looking at um, the signature requirements in terms of the 50 plus one, uh, sorry, the 50 percent. And perhaps we're going to really look at it and we open to that discussion uh, in light of what we have, have been uh, discussing here today. Uh, but I, I, I want to stress that um, I did make this point earlier, that if one had to take 50 signatures per ward, the National Assembly is, is the entire country is the constituency. And if you had to, to multiply that for the number of wards in the country, clearly you're going to be higher than that. And so we have to reach a point of where we agree uh, what is going to be fair, but also what is reasonable and justifiable in terms of the requirements. Um, so for me, I would think that there are three issues, like I've mentioned, single or multiple regions, two is signatures, three is the cooling off period. But given the opportunity to consult further, we can then come back with a proper uh, position and presentation uh, to committee. Thank you. Okay, thank you. Honorable Zeb. Thank you very much, Chairperson. Uh, yes, I fully concur with my colleagues, Honorable Pillay and Honorable Ruiz. Uh, I will most certainly, if you allow us to further consult, uh, consult our caucuses or our parties, I will go back and consult on the issue of multiple regions versus uh, a single region. Um, but on the other two issues of the cooling off period and the signatures, I have given um, my viewpoint on both issues and um, I hold the view firmly that we should do away with the cooling off period as well as look at reducing the percentage of signatures. Uh, and while I will still go back and reconsult on those, those are the IFP's positions. Um, but thank you very much, Chairperson. I think we are moving towards the uh, finalization of all these issues. And, and I'm glad that there's a reconsideration uh, of some of these issues that have been highlighted. Thank you, Chairperson. Thank you, Honorable Malikwa. Thank you very much, Chairperson. As Honorable Brendan and Honorable uh, Lizelle have said, I think uh, I'm okay. Thank you. Thank you, Honorable Ruas. Yeah, thank you, Chairperson. Uh, yeah, I, I agree with the process. Um, Chair, I think it would just be important to, to just get that uh, clarity on that regional seats and what that scientific uh, formula means. Uh, so that, uh, that when I take it back, then, then we'll have a clarity on that. Thank you, Chair. Thank you. Um, I'm not sure that Honorable Tito, she's now joined. Um, Honorable Kanile. Thank you, Chairperson. I have been covered by Honorable Rose. Thank you. I'm not sure also Honorable Lukwasa if she has joined. And also Anala Mutise. Thanks, Chairperson. I, I think I'm comfortable with the process as we have aligned it. But I want to question the committee that we must be mindful of time. Therefore, whilst we go and do consultations, uh, I want to request that we must not take too long to do consultations so that we are able to come back and finalize on the issues. But um, I'm comfortable with the process and I accept that we must still do more consultations. Thank you, Chair. Okay. The, the issues which were highlighted, we've taken decision on, and I think that must be clear. Uh, 
the consultation that is sought or is resolved as a process is to relook on what the both the IC and the legal team of DHA has presented after informed by our deliberation as they've indicated um, so that we're able to pay more attention um, and not ignore uh, what it has been presented. So that must be an understanding that these issues were deliberated on an expression was um, the consensus and we resolved and adopted on them. But persuasion in terms of what we have requested the IC and the, and the legal team uh, to, um, uh, to, to come back. So I'm just saying that uh, 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 these matters are uh, with, 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 with us. I will invite the uh, IEC and the DHA to comment. Then uh, I'll go to state law advisor and the parliamentary legal, uh, legal team. Commissioner Miyata. Thank you, uh, Chairperson. Um, I must indicate at the outset that uh, the, the deliberations have been very helpful. Um, I must also indicate that, you know, when, when Honorable Pillay finished and uh, Honorable um, Fanamerva started, um, I had lost a, a bit of connection. So there may have been issues I have missed. I will ask um, my colleagues to, um, if there's anything that we need to deal with, um, there to, to, to attend to. From, from the notes I have taken, there appear to be two key issues that arise, um, uh, you know, for which we need to, to respond, um, at this stage. One is raised by, uh, Honorable Ross. Um, it's in relation to, uh, item four. Um, on the on the um, you know questioning the or seeking clarity on what we mean by scientifically based data, um, I am going to give part answer and I'd, I'd ask uh, the CEO and his team to to do. Um, one is that that clause essentially um, has has always been in in. A- And the intention of that clause, the, the regional seats or whatever um, quota or formula is, is determined, for that never to be discretionary. In other words, it had to be hinged on something that is publicly known. Now, as I understand, Honorable Ross, whether someone accepts the outcome of a, of a um, census or not, um, we are saying we have to use that information, which is um, objective, to get to to a a, a determination. Um, this has not been challenged in the past, but it may uh, be challenged in the future. And I welcome uh, the fact that uh, Honorable Rose is saying, um, "What does that mean?" It simply means the commission does not sit in its private corner, um, and you know singularly without in some dark uh, room decide this must be the number it it would put a number that is in the public and um, and that that number which which is very objective 
The second question um, that was raised was raised by Honorable Kanyele uh, on uh, the fact that she she says she's she's uh, she she needs clarity on um, using uh, one round as opposed to uh, what what we we are presenting um, and and I think um, it, it'll be clarified. I had um, uh, DCO Shiburi uh, indicate why that was so. Um, if there's anything that I miss, I'm going to ask the CEO to to deal with those issues, um, for them to deal with the um, the the group allocation, uh, and if there's any um, addition they want to make to scientifically based data or any other matter uh, that I have missed, Commissioner Masuku, um, please free, feel free, um, uh, CEO, uh, raise those issues. Thank you very much, Chairperson. Uh, th through your chair, uh, thank you very much. Um, the just to uh, to supplement the um, answer proffered by Commissioner Mirja, the the distribution of the two hundred seats between regions uh, takes into account objective data in respect of voters. So it's not in respect of any other factor, but in respect of voters, meaning people who are on the voters' roll. You are only a voter once you are registered and eligible to vote. And that means being on the voters' roll. So in very simple terms, that um, phrasing uh, means uh, using objective figures from the voters' role to make uh, that distribution. And then as well as inviting representations by any person in society, so that as Commissioner Miepia said, um, you, we don't do that in our dark corners, but um, we do so uh, publicly and invite any submissions that people may wish to make. But the the, the, the important factor is that you use objective data based in respect of voters, meaning people on the voters' role. Now, the, the, the second issue um, is one round um, of calculation. What we are presenting in the Schedule 1A, which is really an affirmation of the decision of the committee, is that it's a single um, round uh, allocation. It's not a two-round uh, allocation. You work out a quota in each region. You apply that quota to the total valid votes per party, and you, you give the seats um, that are due to parties based on their total uh, valid votes. It may be that having done so, there are surplus seats that are, are not allocated. You then used you you then use the highest remainders to do the further allocation. That is not a second round. I think that's where perhaps the confusion is. It is a further distribution of surpluses. 
a second round would have meant having a different quota to deal with the uh, with the surpluses. That's not the proposal. You go and use the highest remainder um, and allocate that so that there are no unfilled seats. So it's a single round calculation, um, as it were. So similarly, when you distribute the seats of the compensatory component, you have to determine a quota, apply that quota to the total valid votes that each party procured in an election, and then do the distribution. If there are any surpluses, this committee has agreed that you use the highest remainder up till five to a maximum of five seats. From thence, you use the average number of votes per seat. If beyond the five, there are still surplus uh, surplus seats. Again, even in that that's in even in that scenario, it's a single round calculation. You're not determining the quota twice. You're determining a single quota and applying it. Um, and if there's any surplus that remains, you then use the highest remainder to a maximum of five seats, and thereafter uh, apply the uh, um, average number of votes per seat. So I thought um, it's important that we clear we clear those uh, those issues. Now we am alive to the fact that the the committee has asked uh, members to go uh, to go consult um, on the three issues that have been um, identified, and um, we 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 will await that outcome and will adjust schedule one to accord with whatever a position is finally uh, taken by the committee. Um, thank you, uh, Chairperson. Except maybe in conclusion to say, um, despite the three issues identified, there's one or two other residual issues in the, in the on our list of residual issues that um, we want to bring to the attention of the committee. Um, and then the committee can direct what they wish to do. Uh, should they wish to entertain those residual issues. And thank you, Chairperson of the committee. Thank you very much. Uh, uh, Advocate Bias. Thank you very much, Chair. Um, just to just to clarify, um, I believe it was Honorable Malekwa who was asking um, just whether we're throwing out the whole signature requirement or not, um, that's not that's not our proposal at all. Um, as the legal team, uh, from a from a legal and constitutional perspective, it's in principle perfectly constitutionally permissible to have a signature requirement. Um, our, our concern was just to say that there's a line where signature requirement may become maybe too prohibitive. And in, in, if it's too prohibitive, it might be an unjustifiable violation of the right to stand as an independent candidate. Um, just in relation to the, the, the 50 
signatures for the local government elections. I've just pulled up on the IEC's website, my local ward, which is Ward 77 in Cape Town, and, and my voting district. And in the last local government elections, my voting district, there were about 3,000, uh, yeah, let's say 3,300 votes. Um, it actually may have been more. That's just for the top three parties. But let's say it's 3,300 votes. And that's only in my voting district. In the whole ward, I think there were up to, 20, yeah, more than more than 16,000 votes. Um, 50 votes as a proportion of that is a tiny, a, a very small percentage. So I'm not sure if using that analogy, sort of scaling it up as the, as the right analogy. Um, I do accept that in the context of national and provincial elections, where you are dealing with much larger constituencies, which will have a much larger, um, uh, uh, sorry, quota, um, to get a seat that you would need more signatures, but I'm not sure if one can use the the, the number of 50 and and times it up for that basis. Um, those are my only responses. Thank you very much, Chair. Okay, thanks very much, um, State Law Advisor. Thank you, Chairperson. Um, I think the main issues which we see as outstanding um, as at present is obviously the decision regarding the contestation of the single or multiple regions, which we still need to get instructions on, um, the cooling off period, which is also still an outstanding matter. And then um, as Advocate Beer just spoke about now, the quota system, which seems to have Originally, it was 50%, but now there seems to be some deferring views, um, suggestions of 20% and so forth. And then um, the fourth issue, which was actually raised at the previous meeting, or actually it was a suggestion that was made by the Honorable Roos regarding the inclusion of the IDs and full names and details um, of those supporting a particular independent candidate nomination. Um, there's still been no, even though there was a proposal made in respect of that, there was no decision that was given. Um, that being said, we have in fact looked at the local government municipal election act, and we've noted that those details of the supporters for an in, for a, for a ward candidate in in that act, um, those details that um, the honourable Roos has actually mentioned he would like to see, those details are contained in the an annexure to the regulations. So, um, but. It should, at this stage, we haven't seen it as being um, posing any constitutional concern should the committee wish to include those details in the bill itself. Um, so as it stands, Chair, those are the main issues that we still um, require instructions from the committee in respect of um, including in the A-list. Thank you, Chair. Um, I see your hand, Honorable Ruas. I'll come back to you. Parliamentary Legal Service, Mr. Njigela. Um, <clears throat> thank you, Chair. I, I, I think Sarah covered most of the issues one would have wanted to speak to. And I think in terms of... So can you hear me, Chair? Yes, you can proceed. Uh, yeah, we, we can hear you. Uh... All, all right. Thank you, Chair. Uh, I, I was just saying, Chair, I agree with all the issues that have been identified. 
And in most of the issues, uh, one thought there was already consensus that was emerging. Issue of signature, there is a decision that there should be signature. The only thing that is outstanding is the number or percentages that must be used for for, for those. Uh, The cooling of period um, does seem to have been a decision, but it's back on the table now, and the committee is, is, is entitled to reconsider whatever decision may have been taken. But I think the IEC may have raised some practical issues that the committee may need to consider in respect of the cooling of period. Um, For us, Chairperson, uh, one is appreciative of the fact that the documents were circulated late yesterday. And most of us may not have had the opportunity to apply ourselves to them. So we are appreciative of the of the direction that is coming out of the meeting that we may all need time to consider, for instance, in our case, Schedule 1A, which is, is being proposed by the IEC, we, we will need time to just sit and consider those and what the implications are. And we may have to consider the legal opinion that uh, our advocate DPM delivered this morning which I haven't had the time to to analyze in detail in terms of issues of constitutionality. But it seems, Chairperson, that between us, there is already some kind of agreement on many areas in terms of legal or constitutional issues. So we we just need time to consider those properly as they were received late, and then we will be ready to engage with the with the documents, Chairperson. And lastly, Chairperson, and one doesn't want to sound like a broken record. Um, We have raised this issue of all the outstanding issues on which we need a decision by the committee for the purpose of our A-list and ultimately the B version of the bill. And we are sort of anxious to get this because now and then there is pressure for things to be done at very short notches, and uh, we, we do not believe that, given the nature of this and the complexity of the issues that are being raised, that short notices are helpful for anybody. We might as well do it right and do it correctly so that we don't have to deal with these issues later through litigation. So those are the issues, Chairperson, that one can touch on on this. I don't know, Chair, through you for my colleagues, if there may be anything else that I may have missed. Okay. Uh, this is Daksha. Yes, Daksha. You can proceed. Um, yeah, I just want to add to what Mr. Jekela and Sarah said. And I'm not sure if I'm jumping the gun if, and if the IEC is still going to be coming to this issue. The four issues that have been highlighted are definitely outstanding, as, as was um, summarized by Mr. Jekela and Sarah, but in our meeting yesterday, the IEC had also made certain proposals regarding uh, the provision regarding agents. And I'm not sure if that is still something that Mr. Shabir was going to raise, but I just thought I'd raise it here so that all these issues that are outstanding are considered so that we can collect, you know, take decisions um, at one time on all of them so that uh, we can then finalize the A-list. Yeah. Let me repeat so so that at least we 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 are on one 
is that the issues which were highlighted, the committee has already considered. What is coming out of this meeting is the informed by the presentation table by the IEC and the DHA that need the committee to consult and re-look. And I think expressively correct, Mr. Njigela, on signatures, we've taken a decision. I'm just giving an, an example. Um, the only, including even the 50, 50% requirement. Um, um, and the presentation says today's meeting, we may need to look on the percentage uh, on this uh, on this issue. So the, the, we must build an, uh, an understanding which says we've already taken decision on all of these issues. What is coming out is for the committee to go back again and reconsider some of the issues or on the issues that we've taken decision informed by this uh, uh, presentation. I think all of us, we agree uh, uh, in, on, on that uh, uh, principle. The, the IEC, I will want you to deal with the, what you call uh, residual issues um, so that members are, are noting then I see I'm going, I'm just I'm deliberately uh, 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 packing one of Ross and one of Pillay's hands um, so that we get a sense, then we are able to have a fair share and we then establish time process on how we're going to deal with this matter and, 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 and come back uh, uh, and resolve on all the issues that are. are, 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 are have been consulted to. Commissioner Mietza. Thank you, Chairperson. Um, we have done well, and in the interest of time, um, um, three of the five uh, issues that we considered as residual have been, have been packed or dealt with. They relate to independence uh, contesting regions. They, um, uh, they relate to the number of signatures and the cooling of period. So we will not deal with. There are two that are outstanding. It's candidate, they relate to candidate nomination and number of agents, which I understand Daksha to be raising. Um, there the issue is not whether we should have or not. It's, it's the issue of, of drafting and, and, um, the, 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 um, the, um, the best way to accommodate the matter. I'd like to invite um, DCO Shiburi. Uh, I believe he's the one that's dealing with this matters, uh, CEO on our behalf, and let him deal with them. Thank you, Chair. Okay. Mr. Matons, can I have hosting rights? Thank you, Chair. As Commissioner Miebda indicated, the first three issues have been dealt with by the committee today and the process agreed, so we will not belabor, we will not belabor those. Um, so I'll skip this slide. Similarly, I'll skip the slide that deals with the 
number of signatures. But here, we're not raising the point on the quantum of signatures, but rather the phrasing in the bill that enables us to put in proper systems to enable proper preparations for an election so that those elections can be free and fair. We will, in the next slides, propose a rephrasing that will enable us to put in a mechanism that allows independent candidates access onto a platform so that they can capture identity numbers of people who support their candidature and get those persons verified as voters. And once they've done that, we envisage that the system will generate a certificate that confirms that the number of ID numbers that have been captured accord with the quota as would have been determined by the committee. And on proof of candidate nomination, the independent candidate must submit that certificate and not a list of signatures that we must still manually capture. So that is the improvement and we want a phrasing that allows for those new things. And we think it's best that the bill only deals with the principle and the modalities of how this is done is prescribed by way of regulation. Cooling period has been dealt with. Uh, I will not go to it. Similarly, the number of uh, agents for parties, uh, I will deal with it with a proposed uh, phrasing. The last issue that we deal with, Chair, are what we call candidate nomination matters. Here, we are not varying the decision of the committee, but want to bring practical experience to bear on the drafting of some of these provisions. The first one relates to what the party must submit when it nominates candidates. So here we're saying instead of each candidate on a party list submitting confirmation that they are registered within a region or province in which they wish to contest, we want the party to take responsibility for this and the authorized rep of the party makes a declaration that all candidates on their party list are registered in the regions uh, in which the in the provinces in which they wish to stand for the provincial legislature. The bottom part of this is subject to the decision that the committee will take on the regions to be contested by candidates. So I'll skip that. This proposes a, rephr- a, a rephrasing as follows, that a the candidate must, on close of nomination, submit a confirming that the candidate has submitted the names of registered voters who support his or her candidature, and that the names of the voters must be equivalent to the percentage of vote required for a quota for a seat in the last comparable election. This is still subject to the decision of the commission. And if the committee is with us and the parliamentary legal services is with us, we propose that the modalities are then deferred to regulations. I'll skip paragraph two and deal with paragraph three. This is key for proper preparations for elections. As the bill currently stands, if an independent candidate does not submit confirmation that their candidature has been supported by the requisite number of voters, that candidate will still have an opportunity to cure uh, that uh, that deficiency. Our view is that 
consistent with the scheme in municipal elections. This requirement should not be curable. It should be fatal. If a candidate doesn't meet this on proof of candidate nomination, they are disqualified automatically. This is so so that you can uh, observe other activities in the timetable and also be able to produce a ballot paper that reflects all the contestants that are contesting that election. Again, we propose that uh, paragraph 31B3E also be excised from the drafting. It relates to confirmation of residence. As we understand, the committee has taken a decision that they're removing the residency requirement, but rather that if a candidate must be registered in the province in which they wish to contest the legislature. Again, depending on the decision of the commission, the committee, we wish for paragraph F to be removed from the bill. Paragraph F deals with cooling of period. And our only argument is that we have no ability to enforce this provision or to, to check whether a person was a member of a party in the last three years. And also because there's no corresponding requirement for party candidates to confirm that we are not members of other parties in the last three years. To that extent, to the extent that we can enforce this, we think it is a superfluous inclusion in the law and should be should be removed. The last point on this on this uh, on, the, on, on, on on this on this slide is uh, paragraph five. Currently, in terms of the extant uh, electoral act. A, the electoral court or the commission may admit a candidate, even if that candidate has not complied with the requirements for candidate nomination. We think that that places a risk to proper administration of the election, that this provision should be removed from the law. It was, the risk was mitigatable in the context of only political parties, because even if at the late stage the court admitted a candidate who did not comply, the ballot paper would not be impacted because that election was a closed party list. Only the names of parties appeared on the voters' roll. With the introduction of independent candidates, there's a risk that very close to an election, a person who has not attempted to meet requirements for candidate nomination may go to court and hinge their application on this clause and ask the court to exercise the discretion that is clothed with in terms of this clause. And if that were to materialize, it would mean we must reprint or stop printing runs because independent pictures and names appear on the ballot paper. The ballot papers are no longer uh, only for, for party for party for party candidates. The last input uh, chair relates to what we propose as a rephrasing for party agents. We propose that the bill must just deal with the principle that a party or an independent candidate contesting an election may appoint a number of elect of agents as prescribed. And we say this based on practical experience. The current A-list provides a definite number of party agents. In the last corresponding election, we had 48 political parties, and there is no voting station big enough in the country to accommodate 42, 48 times two party agents and also result in meaningful uh, uh, 
uh, observation. What we propose is that the, the, deal, the bill deals only with the principle, and in the regulation, we will provide for principles that say uh, a party is entitled to X number of party agents, but that number may be reduced if the voting station is not big enough to accommodate those parties. And in those circumstances, parties may take turns and rotate in having party agents. And But we make sure that in terms of that regulation, at any given point, there are party agents still in a voting, in a voting station. Uh, Chair, we await the decision of the committee on the three issues, and then we will then uh, be able to redraft, if it's needed, the Schedule 1, Schedule 1 MP. That is our submission, Chair. Thank you very much, Mr. Shiburi. Uh, now I can invite the hand of Honorable Ross and Honorable Pile. Uh, thank you, Chairperson. Um, yes, I, I just wanted to respond and, 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 and get clarity again to um, my question about, you know, for practical purposes, two rounds. Um, I, I just want to go to section, um, let's get it here, section 5EA of this, it, 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 what it says, it's talking about regional seats and the allocation of seats. And then it says, uh, where an independent candidate's award um, exceeds one seat, the candidate is awarded one seat. Um, as a provisional allocation, the surplus of seats must be dealt with in terms of item seven. Um, and then when you go to item seven, item seven to A, um, then it says, uh, in the event of any forfeiture of seats that we've just discussed, um, the provisional allocation of seats for a region must be recalculated as follows. And then it talks about um, the party or independent candidate forfeiting seats must be disregarded in such recalculation. Um, and then in, in, in uh, section 7 to B, then it refers directly to an amended quota of votes per seat must be determined in respect of such a region by dividing the total number of votes cast in the region minus the number of votes cast in such region in favor of the person who, whose votes are discarded. So, so I can only interpret that as you are, you are uh, forfeiting those extra seats and now you are doing a recalculation based on an amended quota to, to, to fill the rest of the seats. So, Chairperson, to my understanding, this is, a, this is now a, a second round. Instead of saying um, you are allocated one seat, but to fill in then the, the remainder of the seats that were, were there, you go down the, um, uh, the list in terms of highest remainders. Um, so, Chair, I just wanted to, to get a clarity. To my mind, that is another round. It's another quota. It, it's not one round. Okay, Chair, I was covered earlier by saying that um, you know I've supported the view that we're going to have further consultation because we'll be able to deliberate further and then be able to submit. Thank you. Okay. Uh, another, uh, Mr. I think Mr. Mamabolo, you have sufficiently. Um, Responded to the uh, to the what Honorable Ross has raised, uh, and I think the committee has already considered the decision on that. But I'll invite you to 
uh, just to further for purpose of uh, um, this consultation so that at least uh, clarity is properly uh, uh, sought from the IEC. Uh, Mr. Mamabulu. Thank you, uh, Chairperson. I think um, his observation is correct, but I'm not so sure that that necessarily amounts to two rounds. Um, Item seven deals only arise in instances where there's a insufficient candidates on a party list or a situation where a independent secures more than one six, uh, secures enough votes in the different regions to acquire more than one seat. In those circumstances, by design, you have to um, recalculate a, a forfeiture calculation. Um, because you can't use the previous uh, quota. You've got to remove uh, those votes from contention. In other words, remove those votes uh, from the uh, the new calculation and establish a new quota. But that only arises in a situation where there's been a forfeiture of seats because a party did not submit sufficient candidates or a forfeiture by an independent candidate because they've won multiple seats. So if you like, item seven provides for those exceptional circumstances. In the ordinary course, You're going to establish a quota and apply it uh, to all votes uh, cast for independents as well as um, uh, parties. And in one round, allocate. Mm -hmm. That's what we mean. Because remember, uh, Honorable Rose, um, the, the language of rounds came from the proposition in the bill, which was do the first round for independence only, do the second round, second round for independence only, and only at the third round do a separate um, calculation for political parties. So the, the, the committee was persuaded to um, not proceed with that proposition in the bill but rather put everybody in one pot and generate, calculate a quota which you apply to both independents and political parties and use the highest remainder methodology. So that remains, and that's the single round of calculation. What item seven deals with are exceptional circumstances of forfeiture by both political parties on account of submitting a list with less than um, number of required uh, candidates or where a, 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 
and independent secures more than one seat across the regions. So um, they all have to sit together. Uh, you can't have one without, without the other. But the principle of a single round and a single quota at the beginning is maintained. Thanks, uh, Chairperson. Okay, thank you very much. Honorable Ross, is that... Uh... Okay, thank you. Uh, uh, thank you, Chair. I'm happy with that uh, uh, explanation. Thank you. Now that we have uh, identified issues which we've taken decision on, but needs re or oh, we need to go and consult, including the legal service to look on the schedule one capital A. Noting also that uh, there was no sufficient time on their part to peruse and to apply so that advice is provided accurately. We'll go back and relook on those issues. And including the residual issues. Uh, which were raised, presented by Mr. Shibori. Um, and Daksha, I think, um, commented on that. When we come back, we'll then present our views and complete, so that we complete the, the process of the, of the A-list. We'll need sufficient time to deal with the these preparations and give members to have a, a consultation. All of us we are worried and we must work so that we are within time frame to complete this process. And I, I, I we may not say it's a delay on the part of our stakeholders that are now bringing other issues but it's a proper process. All of us, the IEC, the DHA and the committee were able to consult each other so that we have a, a, a constitutional, a, 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 a bill that can with, be within the constitutional or can pass the constitutional master. That is a principle of how these issues that are coming and they need further clarity we need to, to properly uh, uh, deal with. We will then uh, inform the next committee meeting. I, I'm looking that today is Friday. We'll consult with the uh, main call and the legal team, and we'll put a date that uh, is reasonable for us to come back and resolve on these uh, issues. What I'm trying to, to caution is that looking on the time and also choose the which was supposed to be our meeting, it may not be sufficient for a, a, a consultation. Um, I'm working on the my assumption 
but we'll, today I think we'll communicate uh, if we can proceed on uh, on Tuesday or in any other day, any other day that we must able to co- to conclude on these issues. I think that will assist us to uh, finalize uh, this matter. I must appreciate members for having considered to uh, look on the issues. Um, comments from the parliamentary legal service and the state law advisors, um, the IEC on the issues you have raised, and the DHA um, on the issues advocate BS and the issues that uh, we have now raised and all of us we have uh, going to look on them. And these are the issues a decision was carried. Uh, the only area is to look on the issues that are now emerging so that we reconsider some of the issues so that we conclude on this matter. That will formulate our summary on how we'll proceed to the last stage uh, to conclude uh, this uh, um, uh, uh, matter. Is there any other issue outside what we think it would be a proper process to uh, conclude these uh, four issues that uh, have been raised by all of us? I think there's no other issue, members. I get that sense. Okay. Mr. Matunzi, is that yes, is that process will assist us and will able to determine the date outside this meeting? Okay, Chair. Okay. Thanks, members. Um, I've noted that there's no one want to there's no any other issue. I think this summer. Okay. Yes, Honorable Lizzie. I'm very sorry. I didn't get the opportunity to convey my condolences on the passing of your Collins Shabani mayor. I know it's in your area. So just on behalf of the IFP, I wish to convey our condolences to you and the entire ANC family. May his soul rest in peace and may his son recover and may the culprits be found. Chairperson. Noted. Thank you very much. We have indicated that we uh, extend all our our condolences to the entire family of Malulege and wish speedy recovery for uh, the child. Thanks very much, members. Thanks very much. We The meeting stand agent, then we'll communicate a date in which we're going to finalize this uh, A-list. Thanks very much. Thank you, Joe. Thanks, Joe. Thank you, Joe. Thank you, Chair. Thank you, Chair.